Today's guest is fitness expert, mom, wife, author, speaker, TV host, badass, Gabby Reese. Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, an adventure podcast presented by REI Co-op, the brand who helps get you outside through gear, classes, and adventures. We talk to experts who have taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have climbed the tallest peaks, started thriving businesses, and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. Gabby Reese is a serious badass. She's also someone I've looked up to for a long time, ever since I was a teen. Actually wrote a few stories for magazines on her when I was in my 20s. The former professional volleyball player, Gabby's also a best-selling author, announcer, fitness model. She's the first female athlete on Nike to design a shoe. She's done a bunch of TV shows. She's the founder of High X Training and co-founder of XBT. She's a mom and stepmom, and she's the wife of big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. This is a little different podcast than a few of mine. Instead of focusing on her wild idea, I asked Gabby for life advice on health, nutrition, training, and we even get into relationships. She's incredibly honest, intuitive, and Gabby just knows her stuff. A good friend who heard this early said it's one of the best podcasts he's listened to so far. So I hope you enjoy this. We get into some funny stuff at first, including what a Kalima board is, but we quickly dive into how to cut the BS in your life, how to train smarter, how to rest, how to find balance, and how to live more wildly. Enjoy. Also, just a quick note, we're not doctors and don't play one on the podcast. So before trying anything health-related, consult your doctor or medical professional. Enjoy the show. All right, Gabby Reese, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Thank you. You've already had your first adventure getting to my house. <laughs> yeah, we wound up the canyon through Malibu and the winds are like 90 we miles had, an hour. We had 75 mile an hour gusts and uh, it seems to be steady at 60. So oh, that's good. <laughs> We're little, glad you made it. The little Prius tin can is not going to blow away, I hope. <laughs> well, I thought we should start with, I mean, you've had such a wild career doing so many different things. You know, we talked and we met at the inertia. We talked a lot about fitness and tactics and ways to biohack your body. And I thought mm. maybe you could just tell me some of the things you do now that you find most useful on, you know, training and keeping your body so damn fit for so long and continuing to keep it fit. Well, I will say that um, just from a really basic point of view, you start to realize that food is probably like 80% of the gig, really. And, uh, so I think as I've gone through all of this and like all kinds of training, you know, we've got the underwater training and breathing and, you know, I do circuits and, and, um, you know, mobility and all these different things. Then you start getting to, oh, every single thing I drink and eat will have the greatest impact on me besides my ability to deal with stress pretty much and sleep. Mm. Right. I mean, there's sort of some cross sections on things, but so I, I, I'd say, and it's, it's so really basic. It's, it's keeping eating just real food. You know, I, I don't need to get into like vegan versus meat eating. I personally eat high quality animal proteins. Um, I, other people, and I, I think, um, there's a lot to be said for a vegan diet as long as it's not, you're getting, you know, compensating with sort of these, you know, highly, um, manufactured foods, uh, with a lot of sugar. You can be a total junk food vegan. Really radical. So mm -hmm. I think as long as it's, I think it's sort of like the Republicans and the Democrats in that really, if you took both, they probably majority meet in the middle on most things. And then you've got the extremes on either end, kind of creating a lot of noise. So I think most of us can agree that if we can eat real food better, and even, you know, Laird, when we're here, and if we can get it on Kauai, we have unpasteurized milk and butter. So if you're going to eat dairy, let's say, that you just eat the highest quality. And a lot of people are afraid of that. But for me, I personally, I'd rather have that than something that's been pasteurized. And um, again, the sugar is just the, I think it's the king killer on so many levels. If besides weight and inflammation and disease feeding, I think it's the hardest thing because it's in everything. 
Um, it's so addicting, but it's the thing that I find I have the greatest immediate impact on the way I look and feel when I keep that down to a minimum. So I'll always start with that. If people talk about biohacking, I will always start really with the food and, you know, uh, periodic fasting is very, very smart. Like if you can eat dinner at six and not eat till 12 or one, I think it's really, really great to give your digestion a break. If you, another thing I've done that might be a little extreme for people, but it's sort of interesting and is really impactful is, um, we have a Kalima board with Kalima board, which is different. I know we torture each other. No, it's, (laughs) it's different than, than getting a colonic. So I was taught by a woman named Eden years ago and it's basically a flat board that has sort of this hole that you you put up to your toilet, right? And it has a glass tube and five gallons of water that it's gravity fed. So it's not hard. It's not high pressure. Um, and what you do is you eat for three or four days before pretty soft and, and, and you know, not animal protein, not dairy. Like steamed veggies. Or soup would be better. Okay. Um, and so that you just give your colon and your digestion a, a minute. And then after about three or four days of that, you start popping on the Kalima board and stay with the liquids or soft. And you can do seven days to 10 days. And so what you do is you lay there, it takes about five, zero minutes or to an hour and you excavate your colon. And because it's, so is it like a jacuzzi for your, well, <laughs> it is, but you're, you're laying on your back uh-huh. and Without getting too gross, I know it freaks everybody no, out, fl- especially no offense, but the boys don't love the idea of like, well, what do you do with the glass tube? Well, it's very tiny. You barely feel okay. it. And it just goes, you know, a quarter of an inch into your rectum and it naturally, the water goes in and comes out and whatever comes out, comes out and goes straight into the toilet. And the interesting thing about it is um, you'll hear people say, hey, our bodies are meant to detox themselves and they are absolutely correct. The notion of detoxing is it, there's probably a lot of weird, you know, stuff around that. So I, I'm not denying that, but the idea of excavating your colon. So we've done it before. And on the eighth day or so, the woman would put a screen underneath and she'd say, do you want to see what's coming out of your colon? And it's like little green stones, wow. all this stuff that's impacted yeah. in your colon. So what happens? You do that once in a while and you have the ability to absorb nutrients on a greater level. I always joke that every toxic relationship you get out of, all your bad friends, you break up with them after you're, after you're on the Kalima board because you have a different clarity. Yeah. Um, inflammation, all these things. So if somebody could get high, you know, informed about a Kalima board, it is different than a colonic. It's kind of astounding. Like after you're on the board for six or seven days, like when you first get on, the water goes in and out, in and out. Well, when you're on it, on the sixth and seventh day, the water can go in for 10 minutes before it comes out because it's going all the way now up into the colon. Mm. So that has been something that was really interesting. And I've shared this with a few friends that had really incredible results with it. So I, I really like the Kalima board. You just have to use it correctly, highly sanitized gloves, alcohol. I mean, you know, yeah. this is, it's, it's not a game. Yeah. Um, new tips, obviously every time. So that is one sort of, if you said to me, cheating biohacking, I would definitely call that one. Even like for girls, cellulite, because it's inflammation, the appearance of cellulite improves things like that. So that's my, my probably my greatest cheat besides the really obvious stuff, which is, I think I probably handle a lot of things at one time very well. I think sports really helped me to have the ability to focus on what needed to be focused on at that moment and not react to every single thing that's happening at once. Laird is like a, you know, the Gestapo about getting to bed. If it was me, I'd probably go to bed closer to 1030 or 11 because I'd have stuff to do because I'm a mom and a wife and a business person. But he is always pulling everyone to bed to get us into bed by nine. And I I think it's right. Yeah. Isn't there like, isn't isn't there science that says that men have the highest amount of testosterone who go to bed between like eight and 10 PM? Yes. And, and even like they say, depending on your circadian rhythm that you can, sort of get two times the bang for your buck for every hour before midnight, because, you know, you figure your cortisol levels and things like that. Um, so your highest amount of recovery and, and hormone uh, production and things like that. I even found out we did a test uh, w- with this company. We even have tests for our friends where they, uh, with fitness genes where they'll tell you, like for me, I'm meant to sleep. Uh, I don't sleep as well, but for a longer period of time and Laird sleeps a shorter period of time, but very deeply, like you're genetically predisposed mm. So anyway, you know, going back to biohacking, 
uh, with people, I say, don't overcomplicate it because that in itself can become like a job about like, well, should I take this now or should I take it before 20 minutes before I work out or 15 minutes before bed or on an empty stomach? And it's like, oh my gosh, because everything has to be sustainable, everything. And so any, any lifestyle habit that we're incorporating has to be something that is realistic either to our time or our pocketbook or other, or just who we are as people. Like, I hate doing that. Well, okay, how long is that going to last? And so for me, it's the food and then movement. And I try to pick things that I like, but I also try to change it up a little because I'm a really bad creature of habit. Laird is the opposite. He would rather do something different all the time, which mm. is better for you. And it's he's sort of more artistic and I'm very linear. I'm too. I'd rather run every single day. Yeah, but also runners are different. I think they're runners. (laughs) And, you know, they go, oh, a runner's high. And I'm like, yeah, no, what we've probably come to figure out is that they're just breathing a lot. Mm, That's interesting. So you could, on your days, so for my runners out there, if you're really, like, on the road or doing something and you don't get your run in, if you spent 30 minutes diligently breathing, super ventilating, so breathing in two times to one time out through your mouth, like, in sucking in, like, do minutes of that, then switch over to your nose and then do, you can do big oxygenation through your nose. You will be not only breaking carbon bonds, but you will be getting your quote runner's high because your runner's high is technically you're probably downregulating. You're probably moving into your parasympathetic. So when you're done, you're like, oh, I feel so good and relaxed. Well, you've moved your body, which is important, but you've oxygenated your system and you've also gotten the other benefits from breathing. So that's awesome. How do you move? And then let's let's talk about the breathing because we've had Wim Hof on and Scott yeah, Carney sure. and who said oh great hi. Scott's amazing. Um, yeah, he was just here, but for for his wife's Bigfoot podcast. Oh great. Um, he told me to give you a hug. He's like, Gabby's great. No, he's yeah. so sweet. Yeah, he's yeah. Great dude. Um, but you know, for for your movement, like, how do you move? Do you do the pool workout? Sure, I do the pool three days a week. So the pool, just for those of people who don't know, Gabby goes into a pool and trains with weights? Yeah, so, well, we have different things, right? So we have uh, 13, about 13-foot 13 deep end, and you do a series of ballistic movements with dumbbells from the bottom to the top. And then there's elements of swimming and breath holding to increase your lung capacity and your ability to deal with CO2. See, that's the other thing. When people get into breathing – they start thinking, oh, when I'm doing these breath holds, your apneas, which increases your CO2, uh, they'll think, oh, I'm out of air. And they're not. They're actually having intolerance to CO2. That hits you first. And so I'm not sure if Wim Hof discussed it, but you know, I always talk about the science of breathing. And we, if we breathe through our nose, with the exception of like, I'm sprinting, then your CO2 can rise in your system. And the only way for the oxygen that's in your bloodstream to go from your cells, excuse me, from your bloodstream to your cells, meaning your mitochondria and your tissue muscle is the presence of CO2. So if we're all walking around mouth breathing, we actually never get that opportunity to absorb that oxygen or the benefits of that oxygen. So I find it interesting. You'll see guys that are free divers and they're scrubbing CO2. Why? To override the impulse to breathe. But that's not how we should be walking around in life. And for runners, let's say, you go, well, I have to mouth breathe. In the beginning, if you slowed down and nose breathe, what you'd find is you'd be pushing out your lactic acid and you'd be recovering within your run because the oxygen would be going into your tissue. So you'd actually eventually be able to run further, probably more effortlessly. That's interesting because I've been going like all out trying to race my dude for a 5k Mm because all of a sudden he's getting almost as fast as me and I don't like that so (laughs) we're racing and at mile 2.7 I die because I've been trying to keep a 630 pace and I I can't sure not yet yeah so slow down in the beginning and do the nose in and out through the nose so what happens is you'll build moisture in your lungs and your and your nasal passageway and this will in fact improve your capacity for nose breathing but then you'll start to understand gosh I'm not as tired because your muscles are having the chance to recover through the oxygen. So for us, we do a combination of, you know, mouth breathing and nose breathing, but nose breathing is the king. And for living or stress management, it's definitely the king. Um, but then there's, there's a time to mouth breathe. And all people have to remember is, let's say you're highly stressed. So you hear box breathing, right? So you yep. go seven in, seven hold, seven out, seven, seven hold at the bottom. If you do that for three, three minutes or so, 
you'll begin to throw yourself into your parasympathetic and relax. The other way people can do that is a, is a, let's say for example, a five second inhale and a 10 second exhale. When the exhale becomes longer than the inhale, you downregulate. So they can do that for a couple of minutes. Conversely, I'm going to war. I'm going to play in a sport. I'm getting ramped up. I have a big meeting. So double up on the inhale to the exhale. So make the inhales longer than the exhales. Mm. So it's a way to kind of ramp up. Um, so, uh, so to de-stress, exhale longer. Longer. So five and 10. Up. Okay. You, you'd go, you, you would do more rigorous inhales. I like this. Yeah. So there's a great book by Patrick McCune called The Oxygen Advantage, and it discusses like your bolt score, your CO2 tolerance. And just the thing I really love about breathing, and I've said this a lot, is it's you can do it anywhere and it's free. And I think it's really important. You know, I think people are managing so many different things in their life and it's a stressful world. Everything's coming at everybody. And especially for people who have less time or resources, they could utilize breathing as a way to support them in, in everything they're doing and overall for their health. Because if you're oxygenating your system, now you're creating, you know, less fertile ground for a lot of things. And it's just, I think it's really important. I'm really into it. I have a friend uh, writing a book about breathing only, and it's, I can't wait for it to come out. He also wrote a book about free diving. I think the other thing too, that's if you want to go to the next level, I've been, there's a woman I've been working with and she does a lot of this apnea breathing where it's like you're breathing in and holding your ribs up and you're in these postures and then you exhale and trying to keep your ribs lifted. So having the capacity to breathe with your diaphragm and especially for women where they're not putting pressure on their uterus. Mm. So for example, as we get older and people go, oh, I'm incontinent, it's not, it's not that everything's just smashing down on them. Um, or for women, let's say, for example, and this, you know, whatever, if they've just had children, sometimes they can't enjoy sex the same. They've got to get everything up and open and space. And they can do that by getting their ribs up and open and they can use their intercostals, their breathing muscles more freely and things like that. So I think also when you start to really look into breathing, it's a, it's a pretty great tool. Yeah. I want to go back to fasting. Do you ever do just like water fasting? Days and days. Yeah. Um, I've done a bit of fasting. I have a tendency to do, um, still with calories. So like bone broths, things like that. I've never been gone like straight water. I think Laird has. Well, no, I mean, I just, it seemed... I, again, my thing is this, who am I and what do I think I can realistically do and manage? And I'm not in competition with anyone. I mean, I probably am, but you know, I'm trying really hard to like look into my lane. I try to do that most times. Um, you know, if I said to Larry, like, oh, you want to fast? He, and we're going to have air for 10 days. He'd be like, <laughs> let's do it. You know? And I just try not, I try to pretend that I'm older and wiser and I uh, think, well, I could do bone broths and, you know, water and things like that for a few days. So yeah, for sure. I like this attitude of like, I'm a highly competitive person. Yeah, I like, see that. I want to beat everybody. Yeah, you should definitely stop competing with your fiance. It's, yeah, it's terrible. But just no, I'm serious. Though. Really? I think in the long run. I mean, every there's a, always couples that can pull it. I love I mean, it. I've been with Larry for 23 years. And um, Here's what I know. If somehow it was pushing you both to a better place in a better way, then sure, it's great. But if ultimately there's sort of a winner and a loser, that's true. I don't know that that's better. Yep. But that's for each couple to decide. No, for me, it's just so exciting that like he finally runs with me. I'm so excited. And there's uh, you know, I feel like if I if I egg him on about the competition, he yeah. just keeps going with me to the track. Right. He keeps going with me on runs and it's so enjoyable because he never used to run with me. We'd only surf together. Right. But you're right. If I try and compete with him in the surf, it's just misery. Yeah. I just think you have to fun. know, like, you know, what does Laird always say, jokes with me? He's like, Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Like he talks about like with men, you know, like, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And I think there's something to be said for if me pushing you and nudging you is just making you better and there's still a win-win in there, then that's the right kind mm. of competition. If somehow one of us is a loser and a winner, or I've have to get like almost radical towards you to get you to perform in the end, that's going to be a crisis. Okay. This is really good advice. I actually really want to talk to you about relationships, but before we go there, I thought we'd keep with the path of training because yes. you'd yeah. also said something when I met you at this mm -hmm. amazing inertia evolve event about 
overtraining. You said, sure. you know, one of the things people do that's really a disservice is that they not only overtrain, but they train as a way to avoid things in their life. And yeah. it, I, that really hit home at the time. It was summer and I was running with a friend like nine miles a day. And I, I'm not, and I'm not a long distance runner like that. I mean, I'm good right. at five K and I was kind of crushing myself. I wasn't feeling good. Yeah. And I felt like maybe this is just, maybe I'm bored. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just yeah. not wanting to do what's on my to-do list right now. I think we have to always, you know, an appropriate amount, not overly, cause I hate, you know, sort of paralysis by over-analysis, but, you know, kind of check in. I think we have to at least be honest with ourselves and go like, why am I really doing this? And so I think if you go, hey, I'm, I'm stepping it up and I'm, you know, uh, increasing my work capacity, that's one thing. If I have so much stuff to do that I don't want to, or I have someone at my house that I live with that I don't like and I'm trying to stay out of the house, or if I am punishing myself because just that's what I do, I think you have to look at that because, you know, again, I'm, I'm always thinking about the long game. And so what, how does everything I do serve the now and the long game? And so I, I believe in stepping it up, but, you know, there's a way to do that also without being miserable mm -hmm. um, and waking up each day. And, you know, I think it's also remembering that this stuff is all supposed to enhance you. And unless you're like an Olympic athlete that, you know, it's all down to seconds and hundreds of a second and, you know, this is this moment – I think if we're using training in our everyday life, it has to be something that we're creating stress because that's important. It's important to put ourselves under stress. So we, first of all, have to face who we really are, but that's also how we stay strong. Mm -hmm. You know, so when people talk to me about biohacking, I'm like, yes, only to a point. And then it's work, period. Um, does it have to be miserable work? No. Does it have to be hours and hours? No. Does it have to be consistent? It does. And does it have to be real stress? It does. So it's, it's having enough of that work so we've got that strength and we can make those changes. But then it's also about supporting ourselves in love and balance and kindness in how we move and what we're doing so that in the long run, we don't just fry out or need a bottle of wine at the end of the day to decompress because we're, because we, we ha we're building the stress and we don't really know what to do with it. Do you guys drink at all? I don't know. And Laird doesn't drink, no. At Laird all. can't drink. Yeah. I could. He can't. So how have you, are you just, you're I mean, by choice I say, sober, but. I mean, listen, once every two or three months, I might have literally six ounces of red wine. Um, Laird has to not drink. <laughs> 11 years ago, he just said, yeah, that's probably not going to work out. Um, so he stopped, just stopped altogether. Um, that was his, his path. Um, and I think it's really normal when you have somebody with that high of an energy. Um especially if they don't get to get it out as often as they would like to. And the other thing I think I've learned in a real way about people who have addiction, you know, addictive personalities or addiction issues is they're probably really sensitive and the world hits them in a way that it hurts in a different way, I think. So a little distance from that sometimes is probably nice. You know, because people go, oh, and I go, yeah, but if you really look at all the people you know that battle that, they're pretty sensitive, yeah, they're you know. intuitive empaths or yeah. they're, I, I completely, you know, there's been so many people on this podcast who are sober and it always fascinates me. And and I thought about it the other night because I had a glass of wine or two at, yeah. at um, my high school reunion and I felt terrible the next day and I was like, yeah. nothing good ever. I'm never like, hell yeah, I'm so glad I drank last night. Oh yeah. I'm usually like, hell yeah, I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. Well, I think we always joke in the house like this. Someone will start a story like, whoa, you can't believe what happened. And Laird's always like, stop right there was alcohol involved. And yeah. so I think for me, I grew up in the Caribbean and every, all the adults around me drank a ton mm. and it was very destructive. So if you ask me why I don't drink, it was more to that. And also I just never really um, gained a palate for it. Yeah. I, I don't have a moral issue with it. It just, I always think it was really odd that everyone's like completely comfortable with alcohol. And then somehow it's like, CBD and marijuana. I'm like, that's so weird to me as a person so who, who's sort of non-biased either of it. I'm like, one seems like poison where people fight and drive like lunatics and get frisky. And one just seems more chill and natural, but somehow booze is totally okay. So that part was always sort of strange for me, but mine was, was really looking at it going like, yeah, that doesn't seem to go anywhere again in the long run very well. And I think it, I think if you're hitting it on a consistent basis, 
I think eventually you probably like your nervous system and your brain and stuff. I think you there's there's just a lot that you're gonna have to deal with. I think it's good because we're gonna air this around the holidays. So I think this will be a good conversation yeah. to talk about for people to consider. You know whether they're making resolutions or, 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 or pick. Yeah. Like if you go, yo, I'm going to that favorite party and it's just off the you know hook and I'm gonna be with you know it's like. Great, save it for then, blow off some steam. But I think that's another thing. I have a friend who, whose dad told him, he was very open about his kids tr- trying different you know, drugs or mushrooms or things. And he said, but never do it to escape from something. And I thought that was very interesting. And so maybe with alcohol, if you're using it because it's like, yo, the stress and stuff is coming down or you don't have an outlet, that has to get addressed. If you go in it and it's for celebration and, and it's around that, I think that's probably a better place. And that's easier said than done, right? Like people are sitting in traffic for hours every day. They're at a job They're, I mean, they're dealing with a lot of things. And that's why I think the breathing is very, very powerful. And people can roll their eyes and be like, oh yeah. But seriously, you can get high on the breathing. No, I, I think the breathing is awesome. So you also do the sauna and- So sauna and ice. So ice. the sauna is about 220, ice at 32. Um, and then I try to do some homework and stretching and things like that. How long are you in the sauna for? Uh, you know, until it's unbearable. So some days, you. you know, when you're, when you're tired, um, it's probably like 12 minutes when you're feeling probably good. It's about 18. And, uh, it just depends. Like people have to know if they do heat nice later in the day, most likely their, um, tolerance is, is less. So you do it every day, sauna mm-hmm. and ice. I don't, no. I do. If I'm lucky, I get in about three days a week. Laird's probably five days a week. And, um, and will you do sauna and then ice or yeah. is it one or the other? No, no, they live together in my world because okay, one without the other is not quite as good. And in our house, though, sometimes we do sauna, no ice. Because okay. sauna really, as so what we're learning more and more, is sort of maybe the heat is the ultimate king as far as like heat shock proteins, you know, all-cause mortality, you know, de- decreasing that, Alzheimer's. There's just a lot of really great benefits to getting in the heat to sauna. Um Dr. Rhonda Patrick's done a ton of research yeah, on that. If people ta- want to look that up. Yeah, she's been on, she was yeah, the first or, episode of the year. Or we listened to your episode with her. I'm sure she discussed it. But, you know, the ice is, it's sort of like the most, a really honest place you can be. Mm-hmm. So you have hormone regulation, mood elevation, skin circulation, thermoregulating. And then also sometimes it's like, yo, this is hard and uncomfortable and I'm going to do it. And I think sometimes that goes back Again, to I'm going to do things that are not destructive to myself that I don't want to, because mm-hmm. that's being honest. Yeah, I, I like this. I thought we should go to like the more emotional side of all this. But mm-hmm. first of all, what yeah. are you excited about now? I mean, you do so many things. You write books, you do training, you are a mom, yeah. a wife, an author. You know, I don't know that I'm hardwired to go way, way up and way, way down as far as like, I'm excited because I think maybe based on the way I grew up, I'm, I was, I just wanted things to be kind of pretty good, Mm. if that makes sense. And so for a really long time, 30 years, I have had the great uh, opportunity to make my life a version of what I really want it to be, which is there's some level of peace in it and order. And, and so I think I actually really appreciate that because I, I don't know that I grew up with that. So, and I, and then I was well aware of like, oh, I got to play volleyball for a living and I am in a relationship with someone that I genuinely love and respect. So it's not like the other stuff, like the business stuff, you it's, it's sort of fun. And sometimes, you know, you roll up a heavy stone up a hill for two years, a project. And finally, like if it happens, you're like, okay, that feels good. But as far as being excited about things, I think I have a tendency to really connect to the real things in my life. And then I challenge myself and use the work so that I can express that other side of myself. Because I believe me, my children and my husband are my number one. But if I was, if I was just someone's mother or just someone's wife, I think for me, because I'm a little selfish that way, I think it would, I would not handle that well. I think what makes me feel really centered is when I can also have these projects that I'm just myself. I'm not even like a woman, like I'm just me as a person. Yeah, I mean, you're very honestly you right now on the podcast. It's really refreshing. Well, I, I, feel I mean, that. I don't, I, I just, I, I don't, it's not that I don't have a lot to hide. I don't think that I do. And I'm really imperfect. But I think 
I learned a lo- I think I learned a long time ago I wasn't going to really present something that was so radically different than who I was because I wouldn't be able to sustain that. <laughs> and as I change, hopefully that message has extensions to it. But, you know, I think what we, we miss some of the really small stuff that's really the best stuff. And um, maybe living with the partner that I have or the environment, I, that's, pre- that's easier to do in my everyday life. It sounds like right now you're really focusing rather than on all these big projects yeah. on the small stuff that brings you peace and joy. And or I'm noticing mm. because the big projects take a lot of work and they're there. Believe you, me. Yeah. What are you? I mean, just- there's a few, you know, some TV projects that we're producing one that I will be hosting. And so there, and these things are, you know, if anybody who knows has done this business, I mean, they take forever. And sometimes they go or sometimes they don't. Or do these Absolutely. Go? Of course. Okay. No, you throw 50 things on the wall and you hope two are good. We've done that with businesses. We have a fitness business, XPT, and we do events and, and uh, Laird's Creamer business, which I'm, you know. It's everywhere right yeah, now. It's I'm amazing. very involved with that yeah. business. And so. Um, it tastes really good. It's really good. Really good. I, You know, it's. I think what's fun about that business is it's like you almost feel like you can sh- share with people. It's coconut coffee creamer for those who, yeah, don't, who don't know. It's yeah, called Laird Superfood. And it's vegan. And it's um, vegan if you're a hippie. like Because <laughs> we don't want to. We can't joke. offend everybody. No. Gotta, yeah. Well, you can't Good make everybody you. happy. So that business has done sort of um, surprisingly well. Um, so Laird is, you know, typically like the idea person in our house. And I'm kind of the execution person. That's great balance. Yeah. I mean, we have our, our understanding. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When we come back, Gabby shares more gems of wisdom about how to live wildly and also talks about who her favorite mentors are. REI is closing on Black Friday again because they think some things are more important than selling stuff like spending time outdoors. That's why they pay their employees to opt outside and they invite the world to join in. So even though it's their fourth year in a row, it's still all about doing something different. So go for a long walk in the morning, take an afternoon hike, or honestly, if you just want to eat a leftover turkey sandwich in the snow or the sand, that's cool too. Change up your routine and opt outside this November 23rd, 2018. You know, you've always come across to me as like this vision of, you're my vision of a confident woman. Okay. But I'm sure that, you know, you've had to overcome something that you're insecure about in life. Do you have any stories that you could share with us? Because I think there's a lot of people listening that are insecure about something right now and they just need to overcome it. Well, I I think you have to put things in piles of, is this in my control and is this out of my control? And so the stuff that's out of your control, what I learned to do really early was go like, how much time am I going to spend worrying about that if it's out of my control? Right. So Keep simplifying it that way. And then if it's like, hey, this is in my control, then go, okay, well, let's look at that. And so, you know, I had a bit of a bumpy childhood, which is fine because that's the other thing. You start going, well, that narrative is over. So maybe I would like to be a part of a new narrative, but it is definitely something that formed me. Let's Mm -hmm. just use it as a context for that's what educated me and also developed some really great skills that I have and also some skills that I've had to get rid of because they don't serve me in the story that I live now, right? And like letting go of that is maybe one of the most difficult things, because it's probably also hardwiring, right? So I'd say to people, like I grew up, you know, really tall and unusual, six you know, feet at 12 years old, not really, no real great stability. I, in a way, felt like I faked my way through college volleyball. It's kind of really funny. I went there last week. They retired my jersey, and I have a record couple records for blocking, which I think is very strange, right? The entire time though, I felt like an imposter Mm. because I got thrown in late. I was kind of winging it, trying to use like listening and then putting into physical motion. And then I went to the pros and I understood it was an opportunity, but it was also something that was really hard for me because a lot of my peers had this idea about who I was because I also got different types of attention that created a division between me. You're really pretty, so I'm sure you had and some my haters. peers. Well, it's not. It, yeah. Well, okay, but or I got a Nike deal, got and I got I had First. I had a lot of opportunity. Yeah, I was very very fortunate, and I was doing a lot of extra work too. But 
still I had the chance to do the work. So my point is, is I think it wasn't about being insecure. It was about being all that I could be. Mm. I was apologizing for a lot of years, trying to be less than or smaller. And nobody really knew. And I was in the job, mm. like in professional sports, in on MTV, on Nike, and still not really being as robust as I felt inside because I didn't want to be alienated. I didn't want to offend anyone. I didn't want for anyone to think I thought I was a big deal. So that was really, really hard for a long, long time. It must have been hard. I feel like, though, if you, if, if you were around, if that version of yourself were around today, you would have been able to be more ro robust because right now it's the time of the confident woman. Yeah, but, okay, I mean, we could get into, <laughs> we could get into the confident woman, and I have my de definitive opinions about that, but the thing is is that I was – I was confident enough to do it and to portray it, but inside, mm, okay. when you're also, when you're working around other women, it's a very interesting thing to find women that will support you, that you will support and be like, yo, you're kick ass. And also never to take it personal. You know, we always take everything personal. So here you're in a competitive environment. So that makes it hard. Like you're warring against each other. Yeah. And so I think, and, and also I was not groomed for success. So I battled that the whole time. Like, why am I getting to do this? So that was another thing that took me probably till I was 30 years old to go, why am I allowed to do this? And that's that's just something, I talked to somebody about this yesterday who's going through the same thing. If you really have been given an opportunity and you feel shame or weird or guilty about it, the best thing you could do is just say thank you and do the best you can with the gift. Because feeling weird or guilty or shame doesn't do anything. And if you don't take care of the gift, and, th and that's the other thing I always say, we're just stewards of a gift, take care of the gift. And then the gift will get moved and you'll get a different gift and that's fine. I really like that analogy of having gifts. And, and if you have a talent or you have something you've been given or yeah. you landed a cool job, like harness that gift and treat it well. Treat and, it well. And have some self-love about it. Yeah, I really like that. And and you know the the notion of humility is it is no better than and it is no less than anyone. And so I think that is also something really important and women even more than men we don't get to it as easily as they do. They just do it easier whether it's testosterone or the way their brains wired or you know whatever. It's and it's okay if somebody doesn't like you. If you are doing the best that you can and you're trying to you know, make good decisions and not be completely selfish and work hard. It's okay if people don't like you. And so I think that was one of my, my biggest things to get over was not feeling like I wasn't worthy of these amazing things that were coming my way. And it's not that I feel more worthy now. I just say, thank you. You know, what, what do you teach your daughter on which, how do you which help? One? How three, do you, I have three of them. Three they don't listen to me. How do you? I think I'm a mom it sounds really challenging. I mean, I didn't listen to my mom at certain no. parts of my they life. They watch you. They don't listen to you. But how do you? How do you give advice to? You know, how how are you trying to advise your daughters to be confident women mm -hmm. today? Well, it starts with me, right? I'm not walking around talking about like, do I look fat and does this look okay? I just am living an example. And I am very clear about the words that I speak um, as far as I don't have, if I have that dialogue, it's inner and I catch myself right away. So I don't, I'm not passing that on to my daughters. Wait, slow down. So if you have that dialogue and you're, oh, you're yeah. seeing Some yourself, mornings. you know, we all have it as <laughs> women. Like we're like, oh, I don't like how my jeans fit or whatever. I have yeah. a muffin top. What do you say to yourself to break that habit right now, right then? I just see, again, I'm not, I just ask myself, is that really productive? Like, is, is, is this a? This is just. This is like an indulgence in a weakness that it doesn't serve anything. So why? What are you doing? You know. And it doesn't mean I don't feel that way, but I just figure out I got to get through this quickly because. Uh, am I going to be younger tomorrow? I'm not. Okay. So w w all I can do is eat the best that I can, move, try to live the best life I can, and that's all you can do. And if your genes are this or that or whatever, at a certain point, you got to get over it. You know, you got to be a big girl and be like, okay, you know, with it. <laughs> and, and that doesn't mean that you're not aware of time. 
I'm completely aware of time, you know, in whatever, 14 months, I'll be 50 years old. Awesome. Yeah. And it, and it's this, I'm one of 7 billion people who cares. Does anyone really care? I mean, for a 50 year old, I mean, I'm not supposed to say you look good. Cause someone called me out on the podcast of saying, Shelby, I look you, healthy. You great. look, you look great. I have vitality. No, yeah, you my have this energy is, about you. I'm that's kidding. very youthful and well, rad yeah, because and positive. You, well, and I think that's an important thing. Take on the, Laird's dearest friend just passed away, 85 years old. This guy, Dom Wildman, not male, not female, not young, not old. You're curious, you're learning, you're open, you want to try something, you want to listen to music, do it. And so for me, I would like to be, you know, partially masculine, feminine, and hopefully use the wisdom of living a few years, but not be like, you know, oh, these kids today. It's like, well, learn about what they're going through see what their experience is. Okay, so I'll, you don't love all their music, but what are they listening to? Ask them. So I think that's helpful. I'm not the most playful person. Laird is very, you know, sort of naughty and playful. So he brings that energy, which I think is really important. But uh, I just think we don't have to get trapped by it. But certainly, yes, you can have a moment and be like, whoa. I've said to Laird today, I feel like I'm a million years old. And he's like, Oh, you feel like you're a million years old. And then I hear what that kind of sounds like. And I'm like, moving on. <laughs> because like, Good. also, also if you had something like so-and-so was sick or something was going down or you get run over by a car, would you really be worried about, no, you'd be like, I would be so grateful to live X amount of years or not be sick or whatever. So I think it's like having the discipline to get there sooner, but also living in a way to support even arriving at that feeling. If I eat well and I'm moving, I have a better shot at arriving at that perspective than I do if I have, you know, whatever donuts and I didn't do anything. Cause then you're kind of moving down the, I feel tired. I feel bummed. So I think that when people ask me, why do you train so hard? It's like, yo, so I can deal with that other stuff. Yeah. But your self-talk is really important too. Like if I say something negative, my, my dude also says like, that's so boring. Move on. Yeah. Like let's go. It's boring. I don't it is. It's boring. Um, but to your daughters, you know, yeah, you I think you to just have to be example. the example. And also my daughters, one of them is sort of more similar to me and the others, when I say similar sort of in the way the brain works, is that as they've actually been the opportunity for me to learn because like I do it this way and I'm learning, like I've, one of my daughters said to me, you know, what might be really easy for you to deal with may not be so easy for me to deal with. And when she said that, I thought, that's really important to hear because we are, are also different and to encourage her to trust her own voice and the way she does things because it's going to be her life. It's not going to be my life that she's living. How old are your daughters? 10, just 15 and 23. Oh, wow. They're in like the thick of it. Oh, yeah. Teenage. Oh, yeah. And changes. And wow, oh, that's that's great, Gabby. You've oh, it's raised great. three amazing we'll, we'll see the daughters. metrics take like 18 to 20 years so we'll see <laughs> no i'm just kidding like you like this are not okay this is this has been the greatest because it's the most important thing you you do and you're not really in, in charge of in control i mean you're in charge of yourself but it is for sure the most humbling and difficult thing and sometimes i mean i have to i always joke with my youngest daughter i'm like i have the stamina just so you know but there are days you go oh my god i, I they might win i don't know like there it's, and also imagine you, it's your own genetics with the partner. And so it's not like I got any like lady, the worst in your, of yourself, Yeah, the worst yeah. and the, best. the and best. I And I don't have a lay down kid right between Laird and I who's laying down, like, who's going to be like, yeah, no, you go. So it's like double and you just see it and you just, but then it's, listen, it's, you've got to just stay open to expanding. You know, I, I've said this. I have tools in my tool belt, only a couple, and I need to keep getting new ones because it's very easy for parents to say, well, this is how we do it. Great. But is that the best way to do it? Are your kids homeschooled, the ones that are? Yeah, my in- one just graduated from USC nice. and then the younger two for now are homeschooled. We have an under and over on my middle that she has to finish something by June. And if she doesn't, then she gets goes to conventional school. So we'll see. That's it. That's a good, that's some good motivation. Well, it's on her choice. It's her choice. She's that's a tennis great. player. So she says she wants to be, but we'll see. So, you know, I liked it because we live in two places, but 
You know, listen, I think in all of this somehow is like, how do you try to keep it as simple as possible and also don't react and don't put your crap on them because it's really easy to do. And sometimes, you know, that thing about kids is like, they're going to struggle and you have to let them. And that is the worst. They're going to have stuff and stuff's going to happen to them that you didn't want to happen, all that. And that's all part of it. You know, I, I like that we've talked about your relationship with yourself, which is pretty much number one, mm -hmm. your relationship with your children. Yeah. And I'd love to talk to you about your relationship with your partner because the show is is all about adventure and living wildly. And I think there's a lot of people who listen that date someone that's also an adventurer. Mm -hmm. And I know my mm -hmm. guy walks the beat of his own drum. Sure. And that's so fun and that's what's attractive. Yeah. But there's like a little part of that that sometimes can be challenging. Yeah. Um, I've heard you give relationship advice before on your own podcast. And I just would love to hear just a little bit of, of like Gabby's keys to... Yeah. Because handling Laird seems like the well, ultimate. You don't handle Laird. So we'll handle whatever. Being <laughs> in a relationship with Laird sounds really you don't handle Laird. Uh, fun, but it seems like you'd have to have some patience and um, love and mutual understanding. And yeah. I don't know. I feel like you should talk about this. You know, listen, I think it's first of all figuring out what you really want. Because everyone, people join relationships and then they just tell the other person all the things that they're not. So, you know, this goes back to what am I in charge of? So I think somehow, I met Larry at 25 years old, I was very clear that I wanted somebody, and I didn't know it, but that sort of actually was above the white noise. Laird's not distracted. You know, he's not like, oh, shiny things, shiny people. He's not. And he's also masculine in the way that is the highest compliment, which is I will protect you. I will fix it. I will help a friend without ever being asked. I will show up and be honest. You know, Laird is a really, people can say whatever they want. I mean, Laird has some rough edges, but Laird is a really honorable person. And I, and I, and I thought about like, oh, do you want a nice guy? No, I'd rather have a good guy. Nice maybe wasn't so interesting to me, right? The other thing I, I realized too is that I needed somebody that the expectation without enforcement was you will bring your best game, and so will I. Because I don't need someone trying to keep me in check, but I don't need a doormat either. That wasn't going to make me a better person, and I knew that. And so first, I think I would say to people, be clear about what you have to have. Is it funny? Is it, is it kindness? Is it they're going to co-parent with you? Are they going to raise the children? Are they going to be the breadwinner? Whatever it is, be clear what are your, you know, sort of three to five things you have to have? And then there's just a lot of compromise to some degree below. And, and the other thing that you start to learn, and it's sort of like being a grown-up, is, oh, yeah, that drives me nuts. Really cool. Follow that line. Most likely, it takes you right to the very thing that is one of the core things that you love about that person. So you wouldn't say, well, get rid of the one thing, that side, because then it gets rid of the other side. So you have to be really clear. It's like Laird, he's restless sometimes. And, you know, he's like a caged animal, but it's because he has a passion and a pursuit for the ocean. And I admire that because it's really pure. It's the purest thing. Laird is very pure about that. It's mother nature. I mean, it is. Best. And the way he honors it and prepares for it and has dedicated, because see that same dedication he has for surfing big waves I mean, daily dedication, whether the waves are here or coming or whatever, he has for his family and he has for our relationship. So it's like he's relentless when he's dedicated. So you, you're not like, oh, well, stop chasing waves or be complacent and sit on the couch, but love me passionately. That doesn't work. So go be passionate and that I get the overflow on that. And, um, and you just, you give people space. And you, one time he said to me, you know, you think it's hard to live with? Try being like this. And I thought, oh my God, I can just walk out. That's right. I can go to another room. Um, and then every once in a while, you stand up for yourself and you go, hey, like, what's up? I've even had this conversation with Laird, not so, not so, do, do you still want to be married? Like in a very matter of fact way. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, well, for the last three days, you know, he's like, no. And so it's, it's sometimes reminding them like, hey, I'm, I have complete ability to give you the room to be all these things, but can you include me and make me still a part of it and not completely take it on to me, you know?
but I think, um, you have to know what you want. And I wanted somebody who was, who could step in on the things I couldn't handle. And that, and by the way, that might happen two times, three times a year. And then I'm the one every day hitting the marks, but we have different roles. And I think that, that in this day and age for me, as masculine as I am in my thinking and even my, I'm six foot three, I weigh 180 pounds. It's like in work, it's like you're just dropping off information, your objective. I actually wanted somebody who I could be really, really express the feminine side and everyone's different. And, but I've said this many times, there isn't two female energies or two masculine energies in a house, even in a same sex relationship, somebody takes on the masculine and someone takes on the feminine. And so that was just my choice. And then the other, and most maybe really important part of all of it is it's twofold. Uh, Laird's job is not to make me happy. My, I am, my job is to make myself happy and my job is not to make Laird happy. He's got to figure that out or, or have it, you know, happiness sort of flows in and out, right? We don't arrive at happiness. So I think that that's something really important. And, and for a lot of women, you know, you get red Cinderella, here he comes on the horse and they pick you up. It's, you know, it's a, it's a false bill of goods. And I'll even go one step further to say that I actually think if you have a female that's sort of conscious about like the landscape, most likely she, she will help the guy reach his potential. And she'll have to take care of her business herself. I love this. You know, I I always thought that best relationship advice is you have to make yourself happy. Exactly. You hit it on the nail. No one, no one can make, no baby's going to get dropped off. (laughs) Yeah. No husband's going to get dropped. Now, can they enhance your life? Is it the color? Is it the richness? It's all those things. And I've experienced so many things because of Laird and the way he lives And that is probably intuitively why I chose him as a life partner, but it's not his job. Well, I think this is fun because we haven't really done a podcast on relationships and part of living wildly, like along with health, love is so important. I think, listen, I think you can do it all the ways you want. If you just want to be like, yo, I'm living a singular life and I'm crushing my work or I'm taking just these adventures and that's making me fulfilled. I've actually come to a place in my life where if people can identify how to make themselves happy first, that trumps all. Because it doesn't have to be like, then you have to be married, then you have to have kids. Forget it. It's if people can actually figure that out. Now, to pick a partner, the the growth that happens, (laughs) you know, good and bad, through being in a, a relationship you can't really replicate that. You know, I used to joke all the time and say, if I, if I could be like a philosopher on a yurt on the top of a hill, I could always be on my higher self too. You know, like I want to see the guy who's all zenned out and he has like a couple kids and a chick and it's like, okay, now you're talking. <laughs> That's some real evolved yeah. philosophy um, because then you're really putting it in play in the, in the chaos. But I, I always want to encourage people to like, hey, whatever way, that feels right and good to you, have the confidence to pursue that because you're the one who's got to live it. And I had a coach from college who taught me all about personal accountability. And I think- Let's talk about that. That's Because I was just going to ask you who your mentors were. and Yeah, my coach, Cecile Renaud, she actually was just visiting me from Florida like a month ago. And it's kind of like this. What's so great about accountability is if I don't like something because I'm personally accountable, I can go, yo, I'm going to change this or that about it and make it better. If I'm pointing fingers at everybody and it's his fault and it's my partner's fault and it's my boss's fault, we're never, we never have control. We never are in charge. And, um, and so I even think sometimes like I've, we've been talking obviously a lot about like this whole me too movement and all of that is the other thing I thought that was really important though, is we, we have to be careful to not alienate an entire group of people meaning men, because I know more good men than not. And so I think actually, if you ask me right now in this day and age, what I think is so important is that, you know, nobody has discussion or nuance or any of that stuff. Everyone's afraid and everyone's got an opinion and everyone's politically correct and all of that. And we've lost our sense of humor, which really bums me out. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I, I can't imagine having to date, you know, the joke is like, 
okay, I'm going to put my hand on your right shoulder. Are you comfortable with that? I'm going to videotape. Would you consent that it's, I mean, you know, like it's going to be tough. And I get it. I get about the pendulum because, you know, things have to shift. one way to go back. But we have to remember that most men are sons and fathers and brothers and husbands and boyfriends, and they like women. And so I think actually we should work on our self-health and the health of our the world that we live on, the planet. And we certainly have to identify the, the bad humans, male and female, but that um, the sort of level of combativeness, it feels sort of unproductive and it feels actually a little crybaby to me versus like real warrior type people or masterful people. Um, I think they sort of go about it a, a different way. And um, I don't know. I think it's an interesting interesting time for that. It is an interesting time. That was one mentor. Do you have any podcasts or books or things you listen to yeah, that you really like? I, I, yeah, I, uh, well. That you could recommend. Yeah. Well, Jordan Peterson wrote uh, 12 Rules to Live By, and he's a Canadian uh, psychologist. And he makes certain people mad, which I think is sort of strange because it's just factual. So he's also been on Joe Rogan quite a bit. Um, I mean, Homo Sapiens was an interesting read. I uh, There's a woman that actually, Byron Katie, who is also a, um, she has a program called The Work. And I was introduced to her through a friend of mine. And it's sort of basically like she helps people kind of break out of certain habits. So like, you know, if you have a thought and you go like, well, is that true? And, and you know, she, she she'll say, well, you know, is that true? And can you prove it to be true? And like, who are you when you feel those thoughts? And then who would you be without that? Right. She's about, yeah, she's about 75 or six years old. She, you sort of think maybe she's like an angel. I, I mean, they joke that like maybe when she was in her mid forties, she had a walk-in. Nobody really quite knows. She had a complete life change. She was an agoraphobe. And anyway, I think she's fascinating just as somebody to kind of contemplate as you're managing yourself, your feelings, if you're raising children in a relationship uh, and it, and it's, it's not circling the bowl. There's a forward direction to it. Cause sometimes for me with the therapy talk, it's like, well, how do you feel about that? It's like, Oh my gosh. So there is a forwardness to it. Seinfeld says something really funny about therapy. What? It's like, it's like if someone asks you like, how are you doing? Yeah. Are, of course you're going to find something bad to talk about. <laughs> totally. Like, I know he says it's more funny, but yeah, yeah no. Very, yeah. So I think I, you know, those right now, um, I mean, obviously I, I love, Tim Ferriss and, and, um, and I do, I've been listening to a lot of Joe Rogan, but you know, I just like, uh, science oriented, um, because if you're going to be moving, going to be moving and eating a certain way, I think it's also important to understand because on the days you don't want to, cause I would actually not eat a cupcake for the, for inflammation versus like pounds. It sounds silly, but I have no, a fake I knee. Totally, I, totally I have a fake know. knee. Yeah. So like, I'm like, oh, yo, no, like a pound here or there, I can get that off. I know how to get that off. But like my overall well-being and health. Um, or Diet Coke. I wouldn't drink that because right. it might taste good, but it could yeah. cause Alzheimer's later Exactly. On. So I think that for me, once I start to really understand and have a relationship with, with things around me, whether why am I moving this way or why am I eating? I love Kelly Starrett. Um, you know, he has wad, the supple leper, yeah. mod wad. Um you know, his information, uh, what's Hunter's last name. There's a gentleman on Instagram. I can't believe I'm forgetting his last name. He has Hunter fitness. He does the craziest stretching and mobility. I mean, I think he's cool. genetically like, um, and, but it's not like, Oh, I'm a yogi. It's something else. Um, so he's, he's really interesting. Is he like half gymnastics, half? Like- yeah, but he's pretty solid, but he has a really interesting curriculum, getting people to open up their hips and mm their feed and things like that. Really, really cool. And I love Dr. Andy Galpin a lot because he's just so straightforward and he's just Brian McKenzie's yep. partner. Okay. Yep. I love yeah. uh, Dr. Galpin because he'll say things like this. Um, well, what about eating for your blood type? And he goes, well, it's ridiculous because we need to be adaptable. So if we were in a certain tribe, if you had to eat for your blood type, that's not adaptable. We wouldn't survive. Or if you move to a different country. Right. But what he says is, but if like your parent comes to you, like his dad came to him and said, oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm eating for my blood type, but it got him to eat better and real food. He goes, great, eat for your blood type. So for me, it's this, 
it's this malleability. It's not this rigidness. And it's also reminding people, it's still about you, the individual person. I can never tell you how to eat. I can never tell you how to move. You're still your unique self. And I always encourage people to figure that out, even it, you know, on activities and things like that. I'm trying to think. I mean, Paul Check, I've followed for, I know Paul for 16, 17 years, and he's still sort of, if you really listen to Paul, because now he's past it, right? He's past the food and past the movement, and now he's really talking about more spiritual aspects. Because we can eat perfect and we can, we can move perfect, but if we don't find levels and moments of that peace or sense of understanding or love, if you will, we kind of we miss a lot of it. That's that's it. That's awesome. You've given a lot of good tips. What do you like to do for fun? Like, I'm curious, like if me, I, I yeah. like to work for fun. Well, if you could have like a party when we ask our guests this, if you could okay. have any kind of party, mm-hmm. you know, who's coming? What are we doing? What kind of people are invited? Well, do, I do, do that a lot at my house because so we have a lot parties. of family dinners. Yeah. We call them family dinner. And then it's every stray comes over and then we all sit around the table and there's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of giving each other grief you know, there's probably a lot of kombucha because there's not a lot of booze. I love kombucha. Me too. But I'm like, is it bad for you? It probably I, is. It's probably like soda a water A little bit because well, of the sugar, you know, yeah. that's the thing you just have to monitor is how much sugar. But I think if you did it the way it was intended, like, oh, you've got the SCOBY and you've got all yeah. this stuff. And to bed early because, and to have my kids there, because for me, I think that quality time, especially some of your friends, you know, Maybe you only see them a couple times a year, and that's what you build a friendship on, those moments. And I have another friend who told me, hey, you know that they're there, and so if you have that time to visit and build that relationship, great, but you don't have to walk away with a bunch of weird guilt or sadness that you're not going to see each other every day or talk every day, but it's just about taking it in at that time. And I really do love movies. Like, I love to go to movie theaters. Before I had kids and all that, I used to, like, go to the new art and all those and like watch, you know, random movies. Cause I think I like that. Have escape. you seen, have you seen free solo Alex Honnold's movie? I haven't. I think you will like it. Okay. I'll check it out. It blew me away. Really? I, I interviewed him and then I saw the movie oh. in the theaters, the first movie I've See? gone to. And it was awesome. But going into a theater and seeing a good movie. Oh, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It really, it really was old school. It was nice. Gabby, this has been so great. Thank you so much for your time. You know, any advice, to people who just want to live wildly, which really just means yeah. reach their potential, live a better life, be their best self. If some if something's calling them um, to try or to do or to move away from, like even, and I would never say quit your job, but I'm saying that we have this one life and it is very short. And so we can't allow the fear to get in the way of the dream, but we have to be realistic, I believe, and I'm very you know, realistic about how I map things out, but that, you know, Laird and Laird and I talk about this a lot where there was a Navy SEAL, they don't even know his name, who said, you know, never let your, your memories be greater than your dreams. And so I think sometimes I understand about fear because it's been a huge fire in my life that has made me probably has a lot to do with my success. But then there comes a point where, and again, Laird and I've talked about this, your intention. If you really love something or you love doing something, that will actually be as impactful as fear. But you just have to make sure that your reasons are lined up and you're ready to work your ass off for whatever it is. Even if it's a wild adventure, if you go, hey, I'm going to go mountain climb or rock climb that face of that thing. Well, the amount of training and focus and dedication, it's all work. But to, to listen to that voice and have people around you that support that, that dream or that, you know, thing that you want to undertake. And, you know, I think the notion of when you want to react like an ego or an anger, if you experiment with doing the opposite a few times, it does make things a lot easier. It just does. I, I mean, it took me probably to my forties where I would smile when I wanted to come home grumpy and pissy but I would come home and just be like, hey, and give every, you know, and then I could still share my feelings, but it was received so differently. And, um, and uh, I do that in my everyday life too. Like if I walk around and see people, I try to go out of my way to be polite and nice. Now, having said that, if I have to get down and get dirty, I certainly can. But I think lead with 
that bravery and that love. And, um, and it's, you know, it's your song, like you have to live your song. So whatever that, whatever that takes. I love that. Thank you so much, Gabby. Gabby, thank you so much for inviting me to your house in Malibu and doing this interview. It was awesome. I took so much from it. When we were done, Gabby sent me a box of layered superfoods. That stuff is ridiculous. So you can get it at a health food store or online, but I highly recommend it. Gabby, thank you so much. I really hope to come and train with you. Her house is awesome. They have a slack line above their swimming pool and a barrel of, that's a sauna, it's shaped like a barrel that she actually records podcasts on and it's on podcast one. So you can also check out her podcast. She has her own website. She's pretty easy to find. So definitely check out more on Gabby. I know she's pitching some shows, so hopefully we see more of her in the future. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for writing amazing reviews, telling me the show is affecting you. A lot of you have been writing me lately, and I really appreciate it. Wherever you are in the world, don't forget, some of the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas. Tell some friends about this show if you liked it. Write reviews on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next week. Next week.